0: 911, where is your emergency?
1: America's 911 call takers work around the clock to keep us safe, answering more than 240 million calls each year. They support and protect all of us, and they deserve our support too. That's why this April, National 911 Education Month, we want to thank our area's 911 call takers and dispatchers by sharing their stories. Thank you, 911, for being there when we need you most. Visit thankyou911.org to show your gratitude today. Hello, and welcome back to 10 Questions. Those who only know today's guest, Ed Cavalli from television, are getting just a fraction of his personality. His close friend, Josh Lawson, used to call him the unofficial mayor of Melbourne. If you needed to get into a popular club or restaurant, you'd talk to Ed. I'd go further than that. If you needed a kidney, you talked talk to Ed. Certainly, if you needed someone to give you a rousing speech that would make you feel like you could lift a mountain, Ed's the guy to go to. Ed came up through theatre sports and worked on radio promotions before becoming Tony Martin's co-host on Get This. And when Get This was inexplicably pulled off the air despite bumper ratings, Ed became the co-host of Nova's Sheezy and Kate. Many radio gigs followed, as well as a stint in L.A., and now he's hosting Hughie Ed and Aaron on Day FM. His TV credits include being a series regular on Thank God You're Here, TV Burp, Santo, Sam and Ed's Cup Fever, and Have You Been Paying Attention. Ed was also one of the original agony uncles and was unafraid to spill the beans on his time as a single man.
0: I used to go out with a girl who used to kiss her father on the lips with hello. I don't know about that. And I just, it I was it, it, like, it was too much. Because that's really close to me kissing her down on the lips. Now, before we got
1: down to the interview, Ed wanted to discuss the Ten Questions podcast, which coincidentally happens to be one of my favorite conversation topics too.
0: Full disclosure. So, as uh, Zwari, I I listen to a lot I listen to your show and I really enjoy it because it gives me insights even into the people that I, I know quite well. You've had one of my closest friends, Josh Lawson, on some time ago, and I learned things about the attitudes and uh impulses and ideas of other people who i really respect so um but i so i've listened to a number number of episodes and i've written notes so i know i'm meant to and i hear people sometimes pretend it's off the top of their head i won't be doing that today these are answers that i have this is my nature i have prepared and therefore to hope even though ironically i'm now waffling so um i know i know you do i know you like that type of thing so <laughs> german in me oh, hey well yeah, yeah well the, when you were talking to dave o'neill semi-recently and he spoke about how his father had uh nazi medals that he'd collected oh fuck that was yeah. fascinating i was like yeah. ask more about that i'm like i know we're on a format here All but let's get into it
1: okay let's get into it when was ed most happy
0: so i think that the time uh, most happy is there's there's professional and there's personal so, per- personal, it's a tie between my wedding day and the day, There's two-day period after my wife gave birth to our son, Arnold, where we went to a hotel, and it was just the three of us, and we were in a room on the bottom floor, so it was like a bunker, and I was a dad, and she was there, you know, as our first child um, together, and we were just in this little bunker, uh, the three of us. And I, and I was just, I, I couldn't, you know, I had no frames of reference to any of this. And I was just, I was through the roof. Um, wow. and, and professionally, it's, uh, you know, and I, I, I'm more, I'm nervous about just mentioning the same people over and over again um, in these. So can we take my wife as a given? There's yep. a number of questions you ask other people and they often mention their partner. And I yep. wish that you would say, if I was going to get notes on your show, which I love, I would make you discount, I would make you say to them, your partner is taken as rare. Yeah, yeah. They are now dis- they are now dis- disqualified from the answers that follow. Yeah, yeah. And same with the regret question. It's
1: like that. Yeah, we know you don't have any regrets because you're trying to you're trying to live a positive life. Great. Yeah. What are your regrets? Yeah. <laughs> now where were we? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um. No, I, love, I love that. I love. I I agree, mate.
0: One hundred percent. So uh, professionally, that I'd say is you never forget where you started, you know, and I'm very, very blessed and very, very lucky that I love the jobs I have currently. Uh, Today FM with Husey and Erin and on uh, uh, the, uh, having been paying attention, very, very blessed. I, no one has a better working life than me. Um, but the first job I ever had was when Rob Carlton at Sydney University um, gave me the job of being the host of Theatre Sports on a Thursday afternoon at Manning Bar. Oh, wow. And it was only because I asked him and he said, yeah, I was a good player, but I wasn't great. But I thought hosting, I might be quite good. Because I was somewhat organized as well, which was rare yeah. as, as a university student. <laughs> because you would organize the workshops as well, where I would meet young people who were in first year and try and get them stage time, mm. um, which appealed to me as well. Even though I was starting out, it appealed to me that that was a generosity that had been handed to me by Rob. So I wanted to continue that. And it was very much told to me by Rob this is something that has been hand been handed down from Rebecca Dunamuno, Adam Spencer, uh, you know, and the people even before them. And it is something your job is to usher the show across the line. Cause it was in front of 500 people at Manning Bar every Thursday. People forget that now. And it's been an incredible breeding ground for people who've gone on to do mm-hmm. many things. But your job, he said, mate, is to make sure the show goes well, that you support everyone on stage, whether they're good, bad, or otherwise. And also um, that you represent everything that's come before you and everything that's going on. So wow. it's like, you, you're, right. yeah, so your job is to, to keep, I know you're young, but your job is to look at the people who are coming through and help them get where they're going, even though you've got no idea where you're going. Mm. And that sense of, uh, in a very, very small, small, small way, having to continue that line, Um, and that, that to me was, uh, you know, an incredible amount of faith that he put in me and something that I was, you know, very, very happy with. But he must've seen that in you because that is you, you know, you like a lot of people don't know that it's like, you, I
1: always, you know, I wanted to make a a TV series with you where you're a life coach. Cause you are, (laughs) you you are good at organizing, you are good at helping people. And so Rob must've seen that he, he must have have had a sense about that.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, so I, I hope so. I I, uh, I don't know. I think we'll get to it in, the fur- in a question further down the line, but I, um, yeah, well, I guess I think it's, it might be part of an answer to a question that's coming, and I can't help myself. I've, I've prepared, but um, yeah, I hope so. I, I I don't. I like. I'd like to think that after people have been in my presence, that they take away something practical, that mm. that that is encouraging, that helps them go to go and keep doing the thing that they want to do. I, I, I would be happy if that was the effect I had. That's It is the effect you have, you know, and I miss those,
1: those, uh, those breakfasts we used to have. What was yeah. that place called in, in oh, Tarek Road? Uh, um, oh God, not uh, Funky's. Funky. Yeah. <laughs> this guy. Funky's. Um, yeah, what no, that, that's, uh, yeah. I You know, you do have that effect on people. Um, so I, question two is who would you like to apologize
0: to? I think my young, and I know this is so. People often in your show as well, they go two ways here. They either go for a, a trivial person, often from their childhood, for some mm. piece of minutiae, or they go to a semi unnamed human somewhere, you know, in their past, et cetera, which is both valid.
1: Yeah. But
0: I thought about this a lot. Um, and I think, for, uh, and it, it speaks to something I hope I, that I don't do now. Um, is probably uh, probably Tony Martin because I I didn't handle the end of our radio show, my first ever real um, radio show, get this. I didn't handle the end of that show well, at all well, uh, on a personal or professional level. He took an incredible chance he met me at a party for God's sake. And he asked me what my favorite film was. And I said, with now and I, and he said, that's odd for a 24 year old. And then I lied and said, I was a panel operator when I was a street teamer and (laughs) all that stuff. He said, well, why don't you just be the co-host? And I was then the co-host of get this. So I was literally given a free radio job that other people had worked for 20 years for. I had no right to be there. I had no right to be with him and Richard Marsland and to sit at the feet of one of the masters. Mm. None of that. I had absolutely no right to any of that. It was luck. It was, you know, all of those things. And when get this ended, I I was so fearful. Money is always something that I'm, I'm very, I I, money just engenders fear in me. Mm. And I'd had some other things that I had here. Well, you get it. I had to pay some things out from a personal sort of thing that hadn't gone well First time in my life, a big payout and I had no money again and I worked and I was petrified. Mm. And rather than have the strength and the kind of just honouring what he'd done for me and just calling him up and going, mate, I am terrified here. I have no idea what I'm going to do. I I love this job and I'm struggling badly. Um, I didn't do that. And I got a phone call, a, a, a general phone call from another network and I entertained it. I didn't jump at it, but I entertained it. And I didn't give him that. And and I, and it was, and, you know, and I and then went back to him a while later and and sort of summoned the courage and through his generosity, he said, yeah, okay, that's, and we're very close to this day. Um, but that's, you know. That, but the that show had already, the show had already ended. Yeah, so the show has ended, but that it's still, and it didn't, I don't know. I just, that's just for me personally. I don't know what would have happened. Who knows the world, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, I but, see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's still a, there's still a chance that the show might have con- continued on another four. That wasn't in something. any yeah. way being it was semi. It was all this. Yeah, yeah. And I but didn't sure. know that stuff. I just didn't know, and I was terrified of unemployment. Yeah, it's an interesting thing with the
1: industry. It's like you know, when do you uh, be completely transparent with people?
0: You know, especially on
1: things that aren't, aren't aren't that tangible.
0: Yeah, and also just I'd gone I'd went straight from that to go and make a film that I'd put money into and then realized I didn't have the money. Mm. And then I was in debt and I was like, fucking debt? I'm terrified of money as it is. And now I'm in fucking debt, not because of the film, because of something else. And I, was, I just remember I was sweating. We we're in Queensland shooting this film, which didn't end up working. It just didn't even get finished with Lawson and some other people who've gone on to be very successful good luck to them. And I was, we were <laughs> staying in this dormitory and I got a call <laughs> You know, from my, I just remember getting a call from the bank and I just, I just, I remember I was sweating so much that I had these Adidas shoes and I sweated so much that my socks were wet. And when I got up, the shoes were so loud that my friends were making fun of me, that my shoes were so loud. That's what I remember of it. I remember that's how stressed I was. I was so fucking stressed. <laughs>
1: And you were still in your 20s then at this stage, right? 26, I think. 26, 27. Oh, mate. Yeah. And when you're getting calls from the bank in your 26, you break. It's tough. So you managed to get out of all this kind of, uh, that that little awkward moment, you know, when get this ended and and you had debt and the film, and then you managed to to get out of it again and only go, and then to get back into debt when you went to LA. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, I managed to save money. I I save money to get there. And then, that's a great example of, man you did so well over there and you just gutted it out and I really respect that so much and everyone who goes over there and guts it out and gets in there and gets it done I, I respect them so much and when I went over there I just didn't have the uh, you know I was enjoying it it was going all right and remember I got almost got Ninja Turtles it got down to me and one other guy to play Donatello you remember oh, I saw you then yes. but I'm so glad I didn't because the deal ended up being so terrible and I remember uh, my manager ringing me and going hey It's probably the best you didn't get. I go, why? He goes, "Mm, we've just found out that they've redubbed the voice of the turtle that you went for. So I would have just been a guy in a turtle suit for three years with not even my voice in the movie (laughs) for like the worst pay of all time.
1: (laughs) It's like, um, remember Angus (laughs) was. Yeah, Where the the Wild Things Are.
0: (laughs) I kept thinking about that. I kept thinking about Guzzi sweating his fucking ass off in Where the Wild Things Are.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, oh mate. If I were giving anyone advice about going to LA, I would say do it in your twenties. Yes. Um, do it young, don't go in your forties because especially in comedy, because all the clicks have already been set up.
0: Exactly. It's a club based yep. situation. And that's fair enough because you need to know who to trust mm. in comedy. And what you're asking in comedy over there is you know, as people to trust you. If you're an actor and you just do drama and you just want to go and audition, sure.
1: Fuck yourself out. You can probably go at any time. It's you know, it's it's it's, it's this is kind of the ebbs and flows of the industry. But yeah, comedy. I I just I remember explained Mm. to me there's like four or five tribes, you know, and you either in the Judd Apatow version or the you you know, Mm. Upright Mm. Citizens Brigade, or or, you know, it's like they're the they're the people, and you just kind of go. Well,
0: I'm just this fucking hick from Australia. You can't do an American accent. Which is where we're going to get to that. I've got a, a mild manifesto, okay. which is part of one of the questions here, which links to what you've just said. Okay. And after I've listened to a lot of your episodes, or um, well, question three, then mate, what is your greatest regret? Too much fear too early. Mm-hmm. That's simple. I know everyone says it, and I'm sorry about that. But just too much fear too early. There is nothing. It does not matter. What do it? Do or do not. There is no try, as Yoda would say. It just doesn't matter. Mm. Make a film. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Who cares? Make a show. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Who cares? Take the learnings. Take the people that you like. Move on with your day. Mm. It just doesn't matter. Too much fear too early. Whenever I really listen to the people who, you know, even I look up to now or people who have done really well, you know, there's a great line. I think it's, I'm going to, I hope it's Arthur Miller. It might be David Mamet. I think it's Arthur Miller. I can't, I'm, if I'm sorry, I've got them mixed up. And they said that they did a show in New York where 10 people wrote a one act play and they were all shit except Arthur Miller slash David Mamet said, uh, why is mine shit? Asked a couple of people. They said, why theirs was shit? And they said, oh, I just want to do that next time. And then they became that person. None of the other playwrights ever wrote another play. Wow. And it was that simple. Yeah. Why was mine shit? Oh, this, this, and this. Ah, oh, yeah, fair enough. That's- and when you were talking to Dave O'Neill and he's talking about Takeaway recently and he goes, oh, people didn't like the ending. I'm screaming at my phone while I'm in the gym going, why don't you write a fucking another one with a better yeah. ending? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <that's- laughs> Like you'd already done the hard bit. You'd made two films. Yes. Make another one with a fucking better ending. What do you care?
1: That's so interesting. So so you feared uh money and failure.
0: Yeah, lack of of failure in a way of not just going not accepting that it wasn't going to be the up to the level of the things that I looked mm. up to. That they'd been through their process mm-hmm. and now, now I was going through mine. Mm. So interesting.
1: I my 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 first thing is to throw the the toys out of the cot and yeah. and that lasts for about two or three days. Like I'm never going to make another film again. No, fuck you all. And then I kind of recover and get back to it. Yeah. But I need to go through that process. Well, the catastrophizing. Oh, catastrophizing. The catastrophizing. Yeah. yeah, the catastrophizing. I'm, I'm classic for that. <laughs> it's, uh yeah, very important to me. So question four, mate, is what we still need to do to feel you've lived a satisfactory life.
0: So we get the personal stuff out of the way. Good father. Off we go. Well documented. Didn't have a father growing up. Whatever, get on with your life. And so I ha- I am now one. So I read fucking fathering books nonstop. I listen to fathering podcasts. I watch other dads who got kids older than me. It's like a lifelong, fantastic lesson that I'm now able to be provided with. So good father, A, good husband, B, good luck to me. And then uh, professionally, I've reached a point now, there's a great bit and I can't, I'm trying to find it for you because I know you like playing grabs in this show, which I love, mm. um, is there's, I think it's one of the Batman's, where there's a sort of like a, a weird, like a strange person who says to Batman or someone really calmly, "There's a war coming," and they sort of meant to portend this thing. That's where we're at now. People who work in comedy, the war is here, and the war is um, that if people don't like something, I, you know, then they. It's now. Turned around to oh and now that's cancelled and that's not happening and you can't do that and you're not allowed to make this and you're not allowed to make that and you got to be scared of this. That's where we're, we're there now. It's here. We're here. It's now. It's happening. And the time now is to and I've been I've been watching and lead and reading a lot about United Artists, mm-hmm. Charlie Chaplin, Et Al. Back in the 20s and 30s, who go you know what <laughs> we have a skill set and we have other people who are like us and we are the people who people pay to see. Mm. We are the ones that people want to see. Mm. And why are we allowing our power to be told back to us that it doesn't matter? Mm. That's so true. We're there now. And so it's time now for all everyone who wants to work in comedy and we'll help each other and we're, you know, it's a good community, et cetera. No, it's time to push the wagons together and to use podcasts, writing, live shows, films, TV shows that we all help each other generate to go that, that you've had your fun, you tried to stop it, but we are the people who get, who pay, who are uh, live tickets get paid to yeah, see. Yeah, yeah. We are the people who on television make can make things work out of nowhere that isn't just some format from overseas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We are the people with the podcast. We are the people with the radio shows. That's it. It's over for you. You no longer tell us that.
1: Is there one thing on this earth that people have a, have more opinions about than comedy. I, I don't know if there is because everyone's got a fucking opinion about comedy and we, we can't be weighed down by it all. I've been weighed down in the past, you know, the, the criticism of, of me and everything. Yes, and I go, yes. Well, I am useless. You're right.
0: That person has seen right. right through me. Yes, it's, it's, it's straight up. It's so easy to make a drama.
1: I know. You, you know. And, I,
0: and I, and this is a something that I'm desperate for someone to challenge me to do. Adam Zwa and I, you and I, mate, someone could say to us right now, and go, okay, it's this day, it's this time on this day. In one week's time, I need you to come back to me with a drama script that could be filmed, made and put in a festival. Good luck to drama and good luck to them, you know, good luck to their, all their various things. We could do it and easily. You can't argue about a murder, you know, whereas everyone's got an opinion on your joke. <sighs> That's great. That's great. That's a we can't. I'm going to I mean, I'll do my rant about true crime uh, content somewhere else. But that if that's becoming well documented as well. It's it's interesting because Craig Mason, who wrote um who
1: who did all yeah, yeah you know he did all the the Hangover sequels and the Scream sequels, um and he, obviously he got pounded for years you know he was the person to destroy these franchises and and it was a laughing stock in hollywood and then suddenly he writes chernobyl and then he's just like emmys and golden globes and just all this love and he goes can i just say to you chernobyl was a walk in the park
0: compared to comedy. He is exactly who I've been thinking about.
1: Ed and I spent the next few minutes complaining about our lot as comedy writers and how we get paid less than drama writers, even though drama writers just write drama while we have to write drama and jokes. But I guess there's no comedy without pain. Question five, who is the person who most influenced Ed and
0: how? So Glenn Robbins broke the rules on this and he had a, a, a sort of like a, a jury and I'm going to do the same. So Working Dog, so Rob, Tom, Santo, uh, the other one, uh, (laughs) Michael Hirsch, and Deb and Jane, obviously them. uh, But also with Glenn, they found, you know, they saw me doing improv, they gave me the job, and thank God you're here, and the amount, and I'm still working with them to this day, the amount of just personal and and professional advice that I received from them, Mm. you know, texts and phone calls almost is is... I'm I'd nowhere even close to being where i would be wow um tony obviously tony tony's tony um and tony gave me so much freedom he said to me on get this there are no wrong answers say what you want i'll protect you i don't care you just be you wow i mean that's just fucking unheard of yeah. um and i did and i listened back to those shows on get this sometimes and i'm like what's wrong with you but he's just letting me ramble or not ramble but i would We'll just chat not chat but i would try and order my thoughts but i would just have a go i didn't care i'd just try and do a sketch live and he would laugh because it was shit but it oh, wow. was all part of that you know he would, didn't he didn't care it was tony martin the tony tony can hear after you do a podcast with tony he'll call and he'll say now 18 minutes in i I did a breath now the breath is 0.8 of a second if it was 0.4 it would be funny." and you go back and you... he's done that to me he's i've i've done a podcast with him and then afterwards, I call him anyway, just to see. I call him and he'll go, oh, good. Um, now, I said R ah, four times. So if you could just take those out. And he's remembered he's catalogued the R's. Good on him. Good on him. No, there's no love limit to the things. He, and also the, the my bosses at the video shop where I worked for 12 years at Rose Bay in, in Sydney. So I walked in there as a 12-year-old and, or 13-year-old and they gave me a job. Wow. Um, working with the Super Nintendo stuff. And then I stayed there until I was like 26 because I just loved it. And then I just learned so much. Every Saturday, Sunday, Thursday night, I was there and I never missed it. Um, and apart from telling me about comedy, I would try and put something on and they literally would go, You're not watching. I would try and take something out and they go, You're not watching that. You're watching oh, this. Oh, wow. Yeah. And they'd sit, we watched. Um, and now for something completely different, the Monty Python one, one day my uh and evie who was one of my bosses there and, and um, pete an english guy and they put it on it was during the day there was no one there and i was just sort of cleaning shelves and doing stuff and they'd stop the sketches and they go and i like, oh, what's all about like, oh this is that reference and that's why that's funny and we'd just go over it again and we'd go over it again oh and we just go over and over with these things yeah and they would i would come up and i'd go i'm gonna watch bloody you know ugh, what's it i'm gonna watch what was something i tried to take I'd come up with something rudy, just, just Dante's Peak. I'm going to watch Dante's Peak with Pierce Brosnan. And they go, no, you're not. You put that down. You're, tonight you're watching With Nell and I. And, Brilliant. You know, yeah, and this. And that. they just straight up just told me what was funny and what wasn't, and they were right.
1: Ed started talking about his comedy writer-director heroes and how many have disappeared, like With Nell and I's Bruce Robinson and Napoleon Dynamite's Jared Hess.
0: I'm fascinated by I'm fascinated by the Napoleon Dynamite. So, was his name Hess or something? Like the guy ja, Jared Hess. I'm, I'm working with him at the moment. Okay, I yeah. am fascinated yeah. by that because yeah. by any metric, Napoleon Dynamite is so original and mm. so funny. The music by itself, it's so fucking hot. If you can, yeah. it's it's through the screen. It's just so fucking muggy and so fucking hot, mm. and everything about it is just it stinks of authorship all day, every day. Mm. And I've always wondered, I'm like, it's like same with with Nell and I, with Bruce Robinson, where you're like, where's the next one? You guys yeah. have got a fucking... An engine in you that is You know, what is so what's going on with Jared? I love what's he what's the go?
1: Jared Hess has directed a lot of TV since Napoleon Dynamite, including The Last Man on Earth, Making History, and the Lord of Netflix documentary Murder Among the Mormons. But he's also heavily involved in working on projects with Danny McBride, including The Righteous Gemstones, which I loved a lot.
0: Now, fucking now. I'm gonna use my fa- in, in the other one. I wish we'd done the second round of questions today because I'm I, when I was listening, I'm like, oh, I've got better answers for these. Oh, yeah, But yeah. there's one in that where you say, what's the phrase that you use a lot or that? Said, I'm, I'm paraphrasing yeah, you yeah. correctly. Yeah, and I would say, because I'm obsessed with Alan Partridge, I would say that my favourite and the thing I say all the time is uh, an Alan Partridge quote from Knowing Me, Knowing You where he says to any, a guest on his show, ah, now you're being interesting in answer <laughs> to <laughs> I use it all the time. I always credit on Partridge, but I use it all the time and you can find it because awesome. it's so funny, be Interesting, but it's so true as well because in our minds we do that, right? Yeah. So you go, I'm asking about Jared. I'm going, yeah, yeah, some show about the Civil War. Yeah, okay, yeah, I'm sort of taking it in. And then you yeah, go, oh, and he works on Danny McBride. And in my head, Alan goes, well, now nah, you're being interesting <laughs> because, <laughs> because what's the thing that we know about Danny McBride's stuff? There is going to be a great comic performance. Yeah. And maybe that's Jared. Maybe Jared's got the eye for that because that's what Napoleon Dynamite was, and he's able to bring it out in other folks. Yeah. And that's a fucking superpower. What a yeah, unit! He's, he's so what relaxed.
1: Unit. He's he's like speaking so a very soft voice, and he says, "You know, Adam, I'm just thinking that maybe if you do this, that you know." Fuck yeah. that, that, and you go, oh, yeah," and I and you you feel you feel kind of charged afterwards. Yeah, well, yeah I'm charged no, now I, just hearing about it. What a weapon! Yeah. no, he is. He's great, and I I I, I but I. I had the same not concerns, but I, I was wondering what happened to that dude. He
0: was great. No, it's more. I wish. I wish I had more. Yeah, it's yeah. That. It's like you hear, us, you know, that was that. I was like, fuck more yeah. of that. So that's great. And I'm so glad to hear that because I fucking love Danny McBride, and I'm so glad to yeah, hear. Yeah, and he's
1: so modest about it too. It was like he just kind of goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. We do, do a lot of work. With, I do a lot of work with Danny, and and um, God, that yeah. makes sense now. That fucking yeah, yeah,
0: interesting dude. Good. Um, yeah. When was the last time you cried, Ed? And why? I'm not that, I'm not that teary, Uh, you know, people describe, I know that people tell me that I am described in other circles as being very robotic, as not being a very emotional person, sort of cyborg-like and I do not mind that at all because that is not what I'm often here for people to do. There's, that's great if you need that and I'm, you know, for my wife or whatever, but I I want to help. I'm here to help. Yeah, yeah, it's great. So, I, I don't. I, I'm great, and I'm. Other people are better at that than me. That, that you know, but that I, I'm not as good as that. Hopefully, but I, you know, it gets me. And this is very odd. I don't know where this comes from, Doctor Freud. But um, I was thinking about. It, I was like, I get a little bit teary, not teary, but a little bit choked up at, uh, like soccer, that <laughs> really good moments in soccer. <laughs> Where I can tell, really means a lot to everyone involved, and maybe that's because it's the sport I got into when I was a kid. I don't know, but there are often those are the bits. But I'm not cheery. I'm sort of so fired up that I can't, I can't take it anymore. But it's a, have you, you've obviously read Fever Pitch, um. Yeah, didn't didn't, didn't
1: work, work on you, but, 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 but I mean,
0: that's what we're
1: at. That's where we're at, right? But just yes. the crying.
0: He talks about emotionally connected, being emotionally connected. You know, the film. I I know I'm not meant to feel this way, but the film's better. There's a bit where Michael Thomas scores, and Thomas, and he, the character, he falls over sideways as he's cheering her for the goal <laughs> in the film, <laughs> and I will put that up against fucking like Titanic on the door. Any bit you want of drama, because it, it, I can have it. Come on, it's great.
1: Just so you know, Ed's talking about the 1997 film version of Fever Pitch starring Colin Firth and Ruth Gemmell rather than the baseball-oriented 2005 remake starring Drew Barrymore and Jimmy Fallon. Moving on to what's Ed's current state of mind?
0: Mate, fire it up. Good. Dead set. Fucking fire it up. There's so much opportunity out there. As I say, there's a war coming. And it's time now, and this is my rallying cry all day, every day, which I'll be reaching out to you and to everybody else who's in this world. And your podcast has reminded me of this as well. Now, nah, enough of this. We're pulling the wagons together. And the people who people actually pay to go and see the people who comedian world who where we all care about each other and we want to help and we lift the boats together enough of this we're we're coming you've had your fun drama and and you haven't helped so that's it we're coming we won't be told anymore that you're not no 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 no, that's not funny this is that no it's not that's not just not it's just not true it's not true and we're not doing it
1: are you saying that part of the rallying cry is to do your own thing build your own things but
0: part of that is isolationist. Build your own thing. Build your, dinner no. Yeah, it? No. Now that we're all know. good at building our own things, podcasts, yep. sh- YouTube, that no. Now it's time to go right out. Where are the parts where we overlap, and what can we do to help each other out to push these things over the line, gotcha. over the various lines?
1: Yeah, that's nice. That's nice.
0: We've all got everyone we speak to in our world. You're, like, oh, I'm writing this thing, and oh, I've got this idea. No, all right, well, fucking, what is mm-hmm. it? What do we need to do? Mm-hmm. let's Get it fucking done. I
1: did have a mate? uh, his name's James Hewison and he used to be the head of the AFI and he and he, and he was the uh, yeah. head of Melbourne Film Festival. And he was the only person I knew who brought people together. It was the film and TV industries, mainly film industries. But yeah. he always had these parties and he'd bring everyone together and he'd introduce everybody and, and he was the only person to do it. Whereas everyone, mm. as you say, they're all living in isolation, um, mm. all kind of suspicious of each other and judgmental of each other. No, bring him, and he brought them all together and you
0: know, great yeah. projects were made from those parties. It's gonna you happen. know. That's, and that's a great call. And so that's my mission and I have a theory, a theory about how you can make and distribute things now that still use the main channels, et etc, et etc, but are using our big community as that big push. and that is what I'm just desperate to test. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong, fine, I'll shut up. but I, until I know that I so you're talking about different platforms. Yeah, yeah all Right. Them. so this this forms part of it. this show forms part of it uh our books our live shows our tv shows our radio shows it's all it's all grist to the same mill our podcast it's all book it's all got to be grist to the same mill because we are we are much more tight knit than we i think we give ourselves credit Mm. for you know kitty flangen rings you up and goes hey i'm doing this show can i come on your pod we'll have a chat and then i'll pump up my live show and then yeah your answer is great let's do it absolutely that is like dave o'neill comes to you and goes hey man i've written a script i'm sure you will Mm. read it But then it's like, all right, well, now what do Mm. we do? Do we have a read? Do we have a fucking table read that we do live on Zoom? Do we do a live show where we get people to pay and have a look that creates the momentum for each other to keep these things going? What are we going to do for each other to keep things going? It's really
1: good, man. And and to be honest, that's kind of what they do in America too. They do look after each other. Whereas here, because we're such a small industry and we're fighting over such small scraps, we're not coming together.
0: Because we all think there's one slot here or there or maybe. And the more we get told... Mm, that doesn't fit our criteria at the moment. Oh, I'm sorry. Mm. Then no. Then we still we start to believe it. Mm. It's just not no, true. That's that's brilliant. That's really great, mate. Well, I look forward to so watching the space, are we? Well, I got a film. I've made I've written a film and I'll be calling you and I'll be calling everyone and we're gonna make it and it's gonna tank and then we'll move on. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. I want to be in it. Um Yeah. What what do you consider your greatest achievement? I think my work ethic, I mm. hope my work I think my work ethic. Uh, there's a there's a i don't know why but there's a maybe because i started working really young mm. my mother obviously grew up with just my mother she's a single mother and she just she her she just worked she didn't complain she's fucking worked she got on with it she's fucking did it and i think that i hope my work ethic is something uh yeah i just i just yeah i just i don't know the other day i was working with my mate max guy come out from england who's like doing soccer stuff we're doing a show on stand sport together about soccer and we just filmed in this little tiny room that I'd never seen before. And I was really fired up about it because I was thinking about all the things you could do in there. I was like, oh, we've solved it. There's no one here except us. You could do television in here. This is unbelievable. I'm so happy. And I was rabbiting to him about it. we just finished the show. <laughs> he, he turns to me, he goes, what's wrong with you? I go, what do you mean? He goes, we just finished. Why do you care about that little room and what could be done oh, there? Mate, I'm with you though. I'm with you. I'm always like, going, that's great. <laughs> I know. We can get we can get these reprojections Yeah, there exactly. And, you know. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so and yeah, I go, what do you mean? We're gonna kick some. That's
1: right. That's <laughs> right. No, I want to ask you something else. that could be seen as a stupid question, but um I used to be a long distance runner, right? And I believe that that Uh, because it's an uncomfortable thing you're uncomfortable you're running for a long time and you're going through pain barriers and everything and i believe it's really helped me with my screenwriting to finish things right has your training helped you with your work ethic um has it given you a sense of work ethic and endurance
0: no it's the replacement of 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 what 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 i could do that's not going to help me so it's that it's the classic fitness instead of gotcha you know booze and and stuff yeah, yeah. but it's just mine's just a simple mine's just a binary uh-huh. choice of of it's either you know and that so then yeah that it's a, it's a classic story but that's that for me that's just a really simple
1: that's interesting yeah yeah it's like um it's like when anthony bourdain gave up heroin and took up uh
0: Jiu-Jitsu, you know um that deal the other night on um on, on oprah she's just talking about how all of a sudden she's addicted to lifting weights oh wow and you go yeah there you go. I don't know what it was you were replacing, but there it is. That's the yeah. replacement. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's uh, that's really that's really interesting.
0: Uh, question nine is: Who would you want on your side in a battle, and why? So everyone always says their partner in this thing, and they should be disqualified from that. That's taken as a given, as we've said at the start. Yeah, yep. Yep. partner is taken as a given. Hi, Tiff. Hi, Tiff. <laughs> <laughs> of course, she's the best. She's the greatest, etc. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, we all know. We all, we're all fully aware <laughs> of that txo.com. Unbelievable stuff. Um, Husey um, Dave has a number of great qualities but one of his finest is that he will have whatever conversation needs to be had difficult or otherwise mm. and then he will live <laughs> with results of etc and then he will come back to it you know in terms of he will just he'll get it out he doesn't let things sit he just gets it out he will have whatever conversation needs to be had and then he will Thanks move balls. on and that is just such a great mm. quality he has many many fine qualities but that is an absolute fantastic quality. That's cracker. That's really good. That's really good. I, I admire people who
1: can do that. I do run away from a,
0: a conflict occasionally. You no, know, we all do. But he will turn around and go, no, hang on a second, and lean into it. And it's one of the reasons he's such a good joke writer because he will try and deal with situations, and then it's the failure of dealing with those situations, or normal the success, or understanding that it's funny in the failure of that situation, which forms a lot <laughs> of his great joke, well, great joke writing. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, it's that ability to face up to things, which makes him a great, partly a great joke writer, and very good to have around.
1: And you can hear about Dave Hughes's approach to joke writing in episode sixty-eight of this podcast. Moving on to the final question: What would Ed like his last words to be?
0: And probably laughing, I guess. Time spent laughing. Time spent laughing is just not wasted. I wish I'd known that more when I was younger and it's weird for someone who works in comedy to know but, So I was watching this great eight that BBC documentary can't get you out of my head. Adam Curtis, six hours, everyone go on YouTube. It's really good fun. yeah, and he's just a guy who sits in a room by himself with with BBC archive footage and they have everything. Yeah, you name it. They've got the trial of, of, uh, of Mao Zedong's wife, right? Who knew they even had a, a wife and a trial, <laughs> but they got the footage, so he'll play you that, right? Yeah. And then the next thing you'll see is the testing of uh, Star Wars uh, masks in a factory that someone's recorded for some reason, goodness knows why. And then he'll, the next thing that will happen is he's still is doing like an emotional history of the 20th century, on, as according to him, and then the next thing that he's got, and he sort of links them all with ideas and through people, the emotional history of people. versus thing. So then the next thing you'll see uh, the footage inside the cockpit of the first time one of the US air uh, fighters took off. Now he's done the work. He literally sits there doing that. But and I was watching it, and you know, Adam, you probably have the same thing. I don't care how serious your work is. Sometimes we can tell, I can tell if someone's got a joke in them or they, yeah. there's comedy in their life somewhere. You know that feeling, yeah, yeah. Adam? You get, well, I know you've got a joke in you somewhere. Yeah, yeah. You've seen some comedy in your life. Don't pretend you have not <laughs> And I heard an interview with him and he said, yeah, yeah, I got my start. I was thinking, how the fuck does this guy know how to cut and use music in a way for a six-hour documentary that never feels like it's taking too long yeah. and I'm, there are jokes in this? I don't care what anyone says. I don't care how many more fucking guardian think pieces they do on how meaningful this is. Yeah, I know there's jokes in this. Yeah. I know there is. Cause I can smell it. Yeah. <laughs> and I hear him interview. Tim Heidegger is interviewing because comedians all love this show. We all love it. And I implore everyone who works in comedy. Go watch it. BBC. Can't get you out of my head. It's on YouTube because he wants it on YouTube, etc. Right. And you'll see what I mean. He's talking to Tim Heidegger. And you can tell that Tim thinks the same thing. He's like, this fucking guy, this fucking guy's good. And they're talking about Trump and all this sort of stuff. He goes, know, yeah, when did you get your, he's a real leading question from Tim. When did you get your start? Well, you, you can tell what he's getting at, right? And Adam Curtis goes, yeah, it couldn't be more posh, this dude. Couldn't be fucking more posh if he tried. And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, oh, that's weird. Yeah, oh, well, I got my start working on morning television. Now I'm interested. Now you're being interesting because the clips have to be short. They got to be short. So I'm thinking, all right, here we go. Now we're getting somewhere. Now we're down a path I want. And he says, yeah, and I got sent out to do a bit about a dog that can talk. And then he says, now, there's nothing funny about a dog that can talk, but there's everything funny about a dog that the owner says can talk, and then it can't talk on cue. And he says, and we shot the piece, and to this day, it's the most watched piece of my work. This guy's done 15 documentaries that get five stars in every drama thing in the whole world. And he says, and that is to this day the most seen piece of my work, a dog that can't talk on like the Today Show in England fifteen years ago. Yeah, so
1: it's, it's, essentially, it's, a, it's it
0: sounds like a long form historical TV, but yeah, well, yeah, basically, yeah, it's the it using footage, yeah. using footage, using real historical footage as his starting point. So imagine that as well. You and I were going to make a show, and I said, "What's the starting point?" And you go, "The twentieth century." You go, "Fuck," and you go, "And what are we using as our source material?" And you go. Every piece of footage in the BBC library, fuck that. What are we using for music? Every song ever written. And that's what he... That's And study <laughs> And he got it down to six hours. It's a miracle. Oh, that's... that's like getting it down to a tweet. It's unbelievable. That's great. That's really great.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in to 10 Questions. If you'd like to subscribe to us on Patreon, we're at 10 Questions with Adam Zwa. And that's where you can get the bonus content on every interview. Until next time, thanks for joining us.